Hi, this is Braden Holpe. Hey, this is Tanner the Bulldozer Bozer. Hi, this is Brian Burke from Toronto, Ontario. This is Daryl Sutter. Hello, everyone. I'm Carly Agro from Sportsnet Central. This is Jay Onright. This is Quick Dick Quick Dick coming to you from Tufnell, Saskatchewan. Hey, everybody. My name is Steel Fleury. This is Kelly Rudy. This is Corey Cross. This is Wade Redden. This is Jordan Tutu. My name is Jim Patterson. Hey, it's Ron McLean, Hockey Net in Canada and Rogers Hometown Hockey, and welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast. Welcome to the podcast, folks. Happy Hump Day. Happy Wednesday. I hope everybody is uh, enjoying the warm weather, at least up here north in the north country. I tell you what, it is bea beautiful. I hope anywhere you're listening from, uh, the sun's shining. Now, before we get on to today's legendary voice of the Oilers, let's let's uh, let's get to today's episode sponsors. Jim Spenrath and team at Three Trees Tap and Kitchen. I was looking online, and they've been nominated for an Alberta Business Awards of Distinction. Now, they these awards recognize businesses and organizations that have demonstrated outstanding achievement and contribution to their community while having developed business acumen and management practices to ensure long-term sustainability. Now, as we all know, Three Trees, a fantastic place. Got to love the team they have over there. Uh, I read their comment back. This is what Three Trees had to say. They're flattered uh, about this nomination. It's a result of having good fortune in so many ways. Three Trees is an awesome team, wonderful guests, and great community in which we get to work, play, and raise our families in. Thanks, everyone, for for uh, voting for them, or uh, helping them up the ladder. I, th- I think that's pretty cool. It's, it's a pretty cool nod, a little tip of the cap to Three Trees. I was talking about them today at work. A couple of the boys didn't realize uh, you can get growlers filled there. I keep talking about it because, I mean, obviously we've got Fourth Meridian, the local brewery, or you got Ribstone Creek, which is just down the way to the south of us, Edgerton country. Both of them can be filled there. Um, for a guy who enjoys a, a sarsaparilla from time to time, Get your growlers filled at Three Trees or call for a reservation, 780-874-7625. They'll treat you uh, right there. HSI Group, they're the local oil field burners and combustion experts that can help make sure you have a compliance system working for you. The team also offers security, surveillance, and automation products for residential, commercial, livestock, and agricultural applications. Um, I always talk about the FOB, access to the door at the studio. Um, It's just crazy what this technology can do now now that i'm not fumbling for the keys anymore uh when it's warm out i never think about it but when it is bloody cold like a week ago minus 15 all you had to do is swipe that damn thing i tell you what i was pretty happy so if you're looking for uh different ways to help improve the security around maybe your building at your home maybe you're uh, out on the farm Give these guys a call at 306-825-6310 or stop in or stop in and see them at 3902 52nd Street. That's probably your Kim. They use technology to give you peace of mind so you can focus on the things that truly matter. Mac Construction, they've been doing business locally for over 12 years with over 100 homes completed. Uh, Mac Construction is a design-build custom home building operation that has specialized in constructing custom homes, cottages, and RTMs throughout the Minster and community since 2008. In addition to custom home building, Mac Construction does extensive renovations to residences and light commercial work. If you're looking to build your dream house, head to macconstruction.ca and look no further. And finally, Jen Gilbert and team, over 40 years, over 40 years, since 1976, the dedicated realtors of Coldwell Banker, Cityside Realty, have served Lloydminster and the surrounding area. Did you know when it comes to rental properties, they are the biggest licensed residential property management company in the city of Lloydminster? 
They deal with over 250 rental units. We're talking houses, apartments, and condos. They do direct deposit, which means you don't even have to worry about collecting. They take care of all your headaches if you got rental properties. Stop in and see them. Um, they also offer, on the flip side, for people looking for housing currently, they even offer up to month-to-month tenancies. They know that home is truly where awesomeness happens. Coldwell Banker, Cityside Realty, for everything real estate, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 780-875-3343. I got to give a shout-out to Read and Write. We're having a little fun this week. If you head into Factory Sports, uh, Read and Write did up a little... Uh, uh, cardboard cutout of me, so to speak. I'm sitting on a, uh, or standing on a milk crate. I'm six feet tall. Any of you have seen me in person, I may not be that tall. But uh, shout out to Deanna Wander and the team over at Read and Write. They keep making me look sharp. And if you want any outdoor signage, you make sure you stop in and see uh, Read and Write. Let them know I sent you. Gartner Management, they're a Lloydminster-based company specializing in all types of rental properties to help meet your needs, whether you're looking for small office or 6,000-square-foot commercial space. Give Wade Gartner a call, 780-808-5025. And if you're heading into any of these businesses, make sure you tell them you heard about them from the podcast, all right? Now, let's get on to that T-Bar 1, Tale of the Tip. Originally from Montreal, he got his start in media back in 1969. He had stops in Quebec City, Montreal, Newfoundland, Ontario, British Columbia, and finally Edmonton. He was the PA announcer for the Edmonton Oilers for 35 years. From 1981 to 2016, he announced every goal, assist, and penalty. He announced Gretzky's 50th and 39 games, the Oilers' five different Stanley Cup championships. He announced all of the Oilers' best. Gretzky, Curry, Messier, Fuhrer, Ranford, Lowe, Waite, Smith, Rollison, Pronger, Hall, Eberle, Nugent Hopkins, and of course, McDavid. He's an absolute legend. I'm talking about Mark Lewis. So buckle up. Here we go. Hi, folks. This is Mark Lewis, and I welcome one and all to the Sean Newman Podcast. Well, welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast today. I'm joined by uh, legendary voice, Mark Lewis. So first off, thanks for hopping on. Yeah, you're welcome, Sean. I'm looking forward to this all week. Well, I tell you what, I, I interviewed Byron uh, Christopher um, a couple weeks ago, and we, after we were chatting, he said, you got to have Mark on. And I said, absolutely. I mean, I grew up going to Oilers games, listening to you um, do the announcing and every goal was your voice. And I yeah. was in researching this, I started listening to old goals, man. It gives me chills still. Well, I did it for 35 years and, and retired, um, uh, at the, uh, the end of the 15, 16 season. It was, uh, I guess in, in April, I forget the exact date, April 6th or April 8th. And uh, that was the first year Connor McDavid came into town to, to play. So I, I got to meet him. Uh, he was upstairs, injured. Uh, and he was injured by a defenseman, Terry, uh, that uh, Brandon Manning, that eventually ended up finishing his career in the National Hockey League with the orders. Uh, strange enough, but he, uh, he was upstairs, quiet, really intense, fire that that's caught in the underbrush. Uh, it, it, you know, it's very intense and uh, very polite, very quiet. Um, uh, you know, I mean, five five years later, I think he's now 
I think he's now in his sixth NHL season. And uh, boy, he's turned good. And he was just as exciting then as he is today. And he was 18 years old then. Well, you, you got to witness over 35 years, some exciting players, some exciting times. Um, I was curious, how is it that you came to be the PA announcer for the Oilers? Like how does it, did somebody come where you, was that a calling card for you or was that by fluke? Well, I'll tell you, uh, it was uh, about good timing. I was working out at uh, CTV. Uh, the radio station then was called 1260 CFR in Edmonton. And I was out there and I was, I was music director and, and uh, I had an on-air shift. Also did sports on TV or it was then called CFRN TV. And we had a guy working uh, in our uh, building called Stan Ravendell. And he used to work, he used to be the general manager of one of the radio stations in town that I didn't work for uh, at the time. And he, uh, he was leaving to take a management position in uh, Moose Jaw. And he was the backup guy to the then public address announcer, fellow named Gordon Ross. So I heard Stan was leaving, and I picked the phone up and called Bill Tuwilly, who was the uh, communications public relations guy with the orders, and, and we, we knew one another. And I said, Bill, I'd like that position if possible. And it was, I called him in July of 1981 in the Canada Cup, starting in August. He said, well, we'll give you a try. Uh, how well do you know all of your languages, Russian, Polish, Czech? And I said, I can speak those three plus French and English and Spanish, which you're listening to the language I can speak right now. There, ain't, there weren't any others. But uh, he hired me. And, and I knew that, that I hadn't seen a lot of these names. And I knew, boy, this is the addition. Because uh, if I can do okay here, I, I may get the backup. The order. I learned quickly that you uh, you talk to the visiting radio people. Well, you know the visiting the visiting people, uh, other than Team USA, they spoke languages I didn't know. So you speak to the media people. You find out quickly where you had to find out how to pronounce these things. And one thing that really surprised me, uh, CTV was doing the television side of the Canada Cup uh, in Edmonton, and they had. Uh, a guy doing the play-by-play -play that was a very well-known television announcer on the CTV network. And my booth in the old Coliseum was right next door to him. The Finns were playing uh, another team, and he was butchering the names. It was like, you know, they came out of his mouth, and by the time they hit the floor, there was blood all over the floor. He just butchered it. And I said to myself, holy smokes, um, you know, I, it impressed upon me that, you know, if you're going to put your name out there, your reputation on the line as a broadcaster, as, as a sports reporter, you know, that's part of your job. You better show up and do this stuff right. And uh, to Willie said, after the Canada Cup, we'd like to Bob and I got it and started doing the, the PA work shortly into the season. Start. Gordon Ross was still there, but he left to go to Ottawa. 
uh, for a job at the communications company in Ottawa. The strangest thing in the world, he was back two weeks later. Something happened. <laughs> and, but the order stuck with me. And uh, it's like anything else. Uh, if you're in the broadcast business um, and you're going to go on the air, you've got to prepare because uh, you're responsible for the content between the songs. And that content had better be good um, or as good as you can make it. And, and with the hockey game, they, they give you a script. So that part of it's taken care of. But it's up to you to announce the goals and say the guy's name I don't mean to go on and on and on with this, but that's just all part of the package you bring to the table. That's your responsibility. Well, <laughs> you you hit the jackpot, so to speak, because I mean, you kind of you know, I'm, Oilers are just a newly a new team in the NHL, but it isn't long right. after '81, and uh, you're getting to witness history right in front of your eyes. Well, I I. Uh... I did the play-by-play -play for uh, for two teams the, uh, in the 1979-1980 uh, season, two teams from the Western Hockey League. The Brandon Wheat Kings weren't sending anybody on the road to do the games. Uh, so they in each city where, where the Wheat Kings would go and play, they uh, hired a guy. I had a former Oilers a goaltender come with me to do that every time the Wheat Kings were in. They played at the old Edmonton Gardens in Edmonton. And so I got to, to see a lot of really good hockey players that played with the Oil Kings, with the Wheat Kings, and also the Regina Pats. Um, on occasion that year, 1979-1980, needed a play-by-play -play guy. And they phoned and asked me. Yeah, I'll do them. So, uh, you know, I went over with the equipment. I, I had Ken Brown, a former goaltender. Uh, he played with the Chicago Blackhawks, played with the WHA Edmonton Order team, was doing the uh, color commentary. And, uh, I had about as much. Uh, uh, I shouldn't have been doing the play by play. I'd have enough, uh, I'd have more success herding cats out in the field. But it was a lot of fun. And uh, I met a fellow named Dunk McCallum, who's since passed. Uh, he had uh, Brian Prop, Brad McCrim, and he had a lot of really good first-rate uh, hockey players on the Wheat Kings that went on to play pro hockey for a lot of years. And the same thing with the Regina Pats. They had a handful of players. There's always one or two per team that uh, you know are going to go on and have some kind of a pro career. But it was a lot of fun. And... The story I'm telling is Wayne Gretzky was 17 years old. Um, we played with the Edmonton Oilers of the WHA. And uh, that was in the 78-79 season. So he's in watching. Oh, I'm sorry. The games I were doing for the WHL were 78-79. He played with the WHA Oilers. That's right. Gretzky came over to the Edmonton Gardens to watch some junior hockey. Or 17 years old. So he was one of our guests for a while. And, and um, you know, you, you, we got to meet him a little bit, got to know him reasonably well while he was playing with the orders. And, uh, but he was six feet tall, 160 or 170 pounds. Slender, but, but 
he had more between the ears than most people do. Just very gifted. It's like all the top players really have special talents and gifts. He really did. I haven't seen anyone like him today. I've seen some very dynamic players, but nothing that could compare to him, in my opinion. He just special kind of talent. It was, you know, you're watching all these Stanley Cups and you're watching, you know, if Grant Fear led in six goals, well, I guess they thought they'd have to score seven to win, and they often did it. It was just pretty special hockey. And would have kept uh would have kept you busy them scoring seven goals every night. Um, so if I heard that correctly, you're saying as you're doing the color commentating or the play-by-play, excuse me, for WHL games, Gretzky as a 17-year-old would be your guest on your show? Yeah. We, we, we saw him sitting in the stands all by himself. He was there to meet with his agent. And uh, he's at the old Edmonton Gardens right across the street from the Coliseum on the other side of 118th Avenue. And, and the gardens were since disappeared. They were taken down and they've got a, they've got a the world trade centers there right now. And, uh, but you know, 17 year old kid, he's, he's too young. Can't get into the bar. You've got to be 21. then. you had to be, I think you had to be 21. Then. And, uh, you know, he's a teenager. Uh, he came over to watch a hockey game and, and he was waiting for his agent. And I think his agent then, I could be correct, it was Fidelity. We saw him in the stands and I said, I, I motioned to him and I said, come on. And he came down and how would you like to sit in and, and guest with us? And he said, sure. And he sat there and watched the game with us up in the, uh, where we were doing the game from. And, uh, we added a, a, a touch of how the games were done on the radio with Rod Phillips. That's how we did the games. And we interviewed people before the game and got their, their opinion about, you know, how the game was going to unfold. And it was just a great experience. But uh, being in Edmonton where, it, where the orders, the WHO was tremendous, very entertaining. The NHL came in. That was pretty good. Seeing all these guys and, up till then, we only saw on TV. And, uh, you know, they had, they had 20, you know, you had, you had 18 skaters and two goalies. And the difference between the NHL and the WHA was four or five or six players in the lineup that were better than the, than the four or five or six players you'd fill out a WHA lineup with. The, the, the NHL was paying, paying some serious bills. Now, but a lot yeah. of guys have been in the WHA. Uh, what third and second liners, third liners in the NHL, and that is no injustice to, to the WHA people. Just more players uh, and really established pros in the NHL line. What was it like then to have a guy like Wayne Grasky as a 17 year old sit in on your broadcast and then only a short few years later? Um, be sitting there being in the building for 1984, uh, when the Oilers, you know, that, what is it? May 19th, 1984, they're playing the Islanders who have just won back to back to back, right? Like they're just a juggernaut. What was, what was that night? Like that had to have been special. Well, that was our first uh, Stanley cup. 
when? May 19th. And uh, to have that happen in Alberta, uh, I'm pretty special. You know, you, previous to it happening here in Alberta, and previous to, you know, the orders joining the NHL, you know, and the flames moving from Atlanta to Calgary, everything was on uh, TV. So actually to see NHL hockey here and then to really luck out and be able to have a guy like Gretzky on your team and uh, everybody knew he was special. You could see it. And, uh, you know, they just, they had to add from, from the first team, they added a couple of, uh, to the team that started the next year and they improved. And they really had some solid, solid NHL players. Uh, they had terrific goaltending. They had two really good, one goaltender now in the Hall of Fame, and the other, Andy Moe, played a lot of years. Uh, really good goaltender. They had great defense. They had, you know, they had, they had Glenn Anderson, Messier, uh, you know, Blair McDonald in the early years. I mean, they had some just terrific hockey players and uh, they practiced at a pace that was a whole lot quicker than most teams played the game. So it, it, it was very intense, some very, very gifted hockey players. And it was their time. How fun was it calling the goals in that game though? Or oh, anything, it, it, How, just being in the building. Well, being in the building and then you're working and uh, it, it, I did a bunch of games last summer in the NHL bubble. I think I did about 15 games and uh, no fans in the building. And, and uh, I can remember all those games in the 1980s where the fans were there and the fans are a huge part of that experience. Um, you know, the emotion the fans bring to the game really, really has an awful lot to do with your energy level with the players. Because the fans really get the players pumped and really get the players going. And if you're performing in front of a crowd and you're performing in front of fans, your home fans, um, you want to you wanna bring your A game. Uh, you don't want to have an off night. You want to bring your A game. I mean, it's the pride that it is. Uh, it, it, becoming a pro player, performing in the best league in the world at a very high level. Um, but the fans, that element, the, what they bring to the game is huge, absolutely huge. It's missing these days for reasons we all know, but uh, watching it in the 1980s with fans being loud, passionate, uh, and the games are wild. You know, seeing Paul Coffey come in as a graduating junior player, one of the best skaters I ever saw. It took him a year or two to find his defensive game. Everyone was patient and wait for it. Um, you know, and you saw a guy like Kevin Lowe, who's in the Hall of Fame. Terrific hockey player. You get, you get, you know, you saw Dave Semenko, very valuable player to that team. He brought his game and, uh, you know, his game where everyone knows what his game is all about, take care of the players. That element is still needed today. 
the physical presence. Um, it was just exciting. It was terrific. Huh? Well, over your 35 year span, you got the eighties, you got all the cups, you got the nineties of, uh, well, those years of the Dallas stars rivalry. And then in 2006, you had the surprise run to the Stanley Cup Finals. Were, that, were the, was the, that was the loudest I'd ever heard the building. Was in 2006? The 2006 Stanley Cup Final. I have never heard it louder. That was the loudest. So unexpected. And uh, I remember that they opened 2006 Stanley Cup playoffs. They squeaked in and made the playoffs last few days of the season, facing powerful Detroit Red Wings. And they beat the Red Wings in the opening round. The very last player to leave the ice, before he stepped off the ice, took a look around, because uh, that was his last game, Steve Eiserman. And then they went on to play the Shark. Terrific, terrific, unexpected. And all of a sudden, they're in the Stanley Cup final. All of a sudden, they have a really good chance to win the Stanley Cup. Was a legitimate win by the Carolina Hurricanes because had they lost their number one goaltender, you know, it might have been different. The Oilers lost their number one goaltender, Dwayne Rollison, in that series to injury. That's not happened. Uh, a well-deserved win for the Carolina Hurricanes. And very competitive. And, and if you were weak of heart, you didn't want to be in that. And so I couldn't hear anything. Well, that's that's what I was curious about. The 80s of, of the dynasty and the cup wins and four of them coming on home soil versus right. 2006. But you, you, you say the 2006, it was louder than the 80s. In my opinion, it was the loudest I've ever heard in that building. And I, I continued on for another 10 years past the 2006 Stanley Cup final uh, as the PA announcer in that building. And it, yeah, I, I would I would say so. Others may not, but I mean, gosh, I had uh, 16 or 1700 appearances in that building doing my thing. I, uh, I was hired by the NHL to go down to the States for a number in cities where in the preseason in cities where they didn't have teams like Dallas and Houston, Oklahoma city uh, had a game there. I remember Travis green getting a penalty for the New York Islanders came and sat in the penalty box for me. And he just kept muttering. He doesn't like me. Look at me. Well, the referee doesn't like me. And I said, you've got to be polite to these guys. And, He's now in Vancouver. He wouldn't remember it, but it was just funny. Um, the ice in Oklahoma City was terrible. Bumps along the boards, um, you know, puddles of ice. It'd be a couple of inches high, little round mounds of ice. But, you know, then we went to Tampa Bay playing in what was then called the Florida Sun Coast Dome in the preseason baseball park. And uh, they were in danger of having the game called off because ice was melting. So we had a fellow uh, uh, that I worked with a couple of occasions, Greg Pilling, a former pro coach, and pro hockey player. 
he figured out how to save the ice and they hard the ice. Uh, they stretched tarps, these plastic tarps uh, across the boards and they suspended them above the ice, three or four feet above the ice and blew cool air in. And they were able to get the game uh, and they did that the day before the game and the day of the game. Um, and they, they, but anyway, that was an aside story. And then we went over to Miami, played in the Miami arena and it was hot. You know, it was 85 degrees with 95% humidity. So saving ice was a real challenge. But, um, you know, the fans were new to the game in, in, in most of those cities. But you still had to bring the game because they, they wanted a, a legitimate, everyday, good old fashioned NHL game. And uh, that was quite an experience. But, you know, maybe, maybe their buildings are loud and passionate now, but uh, back then it was more entertainment. And uh, no one cheered for anybody. And the Edmonton Oilers came down and the game was sold out. They wanted to see number 99, number 11, and number nine, Glenn Anderson. Uh, yeah, that was, that was kind of a hoop, but. You know, getting back, it, it's uh, we know what NHL hockey is like in Canada in, in, and for much of the United States. Successful teams have their fans, and the fans just mean so much, so much to the energy. It's, it's a pretty, uh, you know, from being in radio and then finding your way into, you know, being a, public address announcer and becoming a very uh, almost part of the fabric of the Edmonton Oilers for, for that many years, you know, as a kid, I just, I can hear it immediately. Your voice, uh, whenever there was a goal or here come your Edmonton Oilers. And like, like I just, it's, there's very fond memories of that old building. Um, the Coliseum, or I guess it, it changed so many times, Skyreach, Rexall, uh, I wasn't around. I was, I was born in 86. So I, I don't remember much of the eighties, if anything, but you got to call, you know, I assume in your career, there was a couple of goals that were scored that just stick out. Maybe Wayne Gretzky or maybe Connor McDavid's first goal, maybe, or how about Wayne Gretzky scoring 50 and 39 that night had to have been like, can he do this? Can he pull this off? Like you wouldn't have needed anyone to tell you to get excited for that one. You know, I mean, I mean, the highlight, uh, you know, seeing Brett Hull come in, he was playing with the St. Louis Blues and, and he scored his 70th goal of whatever year that was. That was pretty special. So generally speaking, you gave a lot of energy when you're announcing the Oilers goals and you really turned the energy level down when you were announcing other team goals. But for that Brett Hull goal, I really gave it a pump. And I had Bill Twilley, the PA guy, come over. And Bruce McGregor, the former general manager, came over and said, you got to tone that down. <laughs> and I said, come on, guys, 70 goals. And uh, but they were on the wrong end of the store that night. The local team was. So I can understand where they're coming from. It's, you know, you see good players playing really good hockey. Scoring really good goals, you get jacked. It's exciting. I'm going to watch uh, 
I still watch the orders on TV now. Uh, you know, as, as a member of the Edmonton Orders alumni, I, I, you know, get to go to a few games a year. But, you know, it's, it's just uh, you show up. If you're a fan of the game and you see the best players in the world scoring some tremendous goals, Jordan Everly's very first goal in the NHL. Uh, you may remember that came against the Calgary Flames in its first year. That was terrific. You know, Connor McDavid splitting the defense against the Columbus Blue Jackets at uh, Exxon Place. I mean, that, that just had everybody standing there. Uh, you know, stood up and clapped and cheered. I mean, you see some super talent, super players. Really, really showing you the kind of talent they have. I mean, it's amazing to see that in person. What a lot. It was just great. You must have got excited when they, uh, you know, when you mentioned Eberle or McDavid or you just go down the list of names. Um, when you're going through the sheet and you got a new guy that hasn't scored a goal at home before or maybe even in the season or his career, to see him score and to get to announce it must have been a, a thrill for you. Well, I met a couple of a couple of fellows that, that came in and played played a handful of games for the orders. And they came in and said, you know what, I, I used to come and listen to you with my dad when I played hockey in Edmonton or minor hockey in Lloyd Minster or Michael Bish or Fort McMurray. And uh, to hear you still doing the game. And then when I scored a goal for you to announce that, I mean, they would they came to me uh, and said that was just incredible. And I said, yeah, I'm just, you know, it was all part of it. So, uh, you know, doing doing what what I did, uh, I part of the entertainment package. Uh, the most important part, of course, was on the ice. But you know, part of the game night presentation was just huge thing to be doing for many years. I stayed ahead of the law on that one to, to do it for 35 years. What's the, what's the one part you miss, Mark? Like if you could get back and is it being in the routine? Is it being in the rink? Is it announcing? Is it uh, the, you know, being around the other media people, the players, the, what, what's the I'm one still, part you go back to? You know what? I, I don't miss it at all. Don't miss it? No, I, I, I did it for 35 years, a huge commitment, huge time commitment. And, uh, you know, we like to get away in the wintertime. We, we travel, we, and you can't do that when you have a commitment like that. You can't take a month off or more. And uh, it was time, you know, it was time to go. It was the last year at, uh, at Rexall Place, so I said, that's it, this is the year. I'm done. And I can remember Bob Nicholson and Craig McTavish and Kelly Brookberger coming up to me saying, you got to open Rogers. Thanks, but I can't. It's just time to go. And, and uh, you know, that was long enough. And after a while, you get tired of minus 30 weather. You get tired <laughs> of the ice. We just went through that in Alberta where it was minus 30 and minus 40 with the wind chill for two weeks or two and a half weeks. That's not a lot of fun, is it? No, it sure, sure makes you remember why you are, that you're Canadian though. When I think we got to minus, it was minus like 48 with the wind chill here. So, Oh man. Hey, you're right out there in the middle of 
the bald prairie and you've got the wind <laughs> whistling down the street and you say to yourself, why am I here? But, but you know, when you get to a, a certain point, you know, you get into your 60s and you say, okay, there are other things I want to do. And, and uh, it, it was just time. You got to know when it's time. And, and I made that decision to go time to let somebody else take it. That, that last night, your last uh, night in the building at Rexall, was that a fun night? Was that surreal? Well, they had all the, they had so many players from, from the Oilers teams, uh, including the WHA, uh, and most of them from the NHL. I, I, I don't know how many players have played for the Oilers, but I bet you they had, I'm going to guess and I could be off, but I bet you they had 15 or 20% of the guys who played for the Oilers there that night including some players I'd never heard of. Some guys with the WHA orders that played one game. And he showed up, a fellow named Danny Arndt, played one game for the WHA orders. He showed up and he was there. He was the first guy to come out. Uh, they, they introduced them alphabetically. But, uh, the pregame show on that last night, or maybe it was postgame, I think they did it after the game if memory serves, it took, I think, 90 minutes to introduce all of them. And it was a tremendous way to say goodbye to Rexall Place and acknowledge all of the players that were available. Many of the Europeans didn't come. Many of the NHLers, although they were, they were approached and, and, and asked if they'd come and transportation and accommodations provided, but many of them couldn't make it. Uh, but what a night that was. And uh, the microphone I used, I've got it here. They, it was an old-fashioned microphone, like those old desk microphones that were about a foot high. Uh, but they were state-of-the-art, looked old. They just gave me that with a little plaque on the bottom, uh, Mark, you know, with my name, Mark Lewis, 1981-2016, 35 years in appreciation. That was kind of nice. And then, but it's time to, it's time to, it's time to go, time to move on. And, and you know, it's time for someone else to do it. I, you know, I, I'll watch the hockey. I don't miss the traffic after the games. I, I've had, of all of the, you know, I'm a Canadian. I, I've seen enough snow and ice weather over my, uh, many years above ground that, you know, it's, it's nice to get away from it. It was time to do it. Okay. Well, as we wrap up here, cause I know you, you got to get going, uh, just the crude master final five, five quick questions, just boom, 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 as quick or as short as you want to go, uh, sure. Mark. So if you could sit down with one, uh, individual like I'm doing with you, who would you take? If I could sit down with one individual, uh, I'd like to sit down with Jean Bellicot, former captain of the Montreal Canadiens. Um, I met Rocket Richard. I met his brother, Henri. met many of them. I never met Jean Bellicot. Interesting guy, a, a gentleman, a pretty smart man. That would be one. Who's the one individual you ha have been able to sit down with that made a lasting impression? Gordie Howe. Gentlemen, uh, humble. Uh, 
I guess he knew the kind of impact he had and the kind of player he was. He was just like the everyday person. He, he, he came from good people, came from a great province next to Alberta, um, incredibly gifted. Uh, he was nice. He was nice talking. If you got to come back for one game, to do one game, could not be the Edmonton Oilers, what organization would you want to sit and announce for? Well, I offered this to Harold Ballard back in the 80s. I said, if you ever want a guy to fill in while you're looking for a public address announcer, because they were, they had a cast of a few that year, uh, give me a call. He never did. But it would be nice to do one in uh, in the Air Canada Centre. I guess it's now Scotiabank, Toronto. That, you know, big building, great sound. It'd be kind of nice to do it, one in there. Do you have one piece of advice for people getting into the media business? Uh, make sure that you have a fallback career you can go to because the state of the media these days, uh, and, and it's, it's uh, largely due to what the media is all about right now, largely due to what we're going through in the entire world. People aren't spending money. They're not going out. Uh, so many businesses are, are closed. So many radio stations and television stations have cut people back. Uh, uh, so many network radio stations, if you're part of the seven or eight or nine station network, a lot of those radio stations, there's nobody in the buildings operating, uh, carrying programming from elsewhere. So a lot of people are, are working off second career but if you're going to get into it um you really have to have more than just one talent um you have to be able to do several things you have to be able to help your employer they can't do without you i know in the in the mid 80s i i left the the music director the programming side and i get into the sales end of it and I'm still in the media business, uh, and I'm, a, I'm a, a radio and digital sales rep for a company based in Edmonton that has, that's the Indigenous Radio Network in Alberta, uh, a, a terrific opportunity and a lot of fun. But you have to really have some, and yet your, your skills have to be curved. Um, and you have to offer value. You have to show your employer they can't do without you. You bring good value. How much more I could say about that? Here's your final one then. In the 35 years with the Oilers, who was somebody that most people probably don't recognize that was uh, played a big part in the Edmonton Oilers? Not So not a player, but another Mark Lewis, so to speak. Was it... Uh, I don't know. Uh, there must have been somebody behind the scenes that uh, didn't get a lot of credit. You know, the people that uh, there are so many, uh, the people responsible for for keeping the building open, operating, making sure the ice is is the very best it can be. Uh, you know, the building maintenance people, the ice makers. Uh, the people that drive the Zambonis, uh, they're really important. Uh, and then the people that work in the building that, that provide the, the food services, 
I mean, that's, you know, for, for 16,800 people, such as they put in Rexall Place and the 18,000 plus they have in, uh, in Rogers Place, I mean, you, you have to be, you know, you have to be offering the very best quality in terms of, you know, food services, the, the entertainment value. I mean, it's, you know, I guess uh, maybe it all comes down to one person. Uh, everyone's going to the building to to be treated and to be entertained. And really it's up to the general manager on the scouting staff to be able to go out and what they can uh, fit in their budget to put on the ice so that people will keep wanting. Probably the, you know, the senior executive of the hockey club that's responsible for the talent uh, puts the product on the ice that people will pay uh, buy season tickets that make any sense? Yeah, absolutely. It does. Yeah. I, I guess I, uh, I get the talent. You got to have the talent on the ice. I, I just wondered, you know, uh, I used to think the little things didn't matter as much. And as I get older, I understand the little things really do matter. And so having Mark Lewis call the goals is something that kids my age and older for that matter, all remember. And it is like, wow, that was like really good. Like that's a really good little, and that's just a little piece of it. Having Paul, um, was it Laurier? The, uh, Paul Lorio. Uh, Lorio, um, sing the national anthem for as long as he did, and he, you know, he he passed away. But when he was doing it, he was fantastic, and that's one of the iconic things from two thousand six is him singing and giving it over to the crowd. And another he one was the very first one ever to do that in the league. Period. Yeah, and it, contrary to what the now departed anthem singer out in Vancouver would would state, that he was the first one to do it. How arrogant is that? Uh, arrogant, very arrogant. arrogant. Because everybody remembered. Everyone um, does. And, and another another one who just passed was Joey Moss. He was another little piece of like the Oilers and just if you were a, a fan of the team, there was just different things that. Uh, little tiny things that help make up the team. And so I was just curious from a guy who'd been on the inside of it, if you had seen, you know, I don't know. I, I, I honestly have no idea. That's why I was throwing it to you. But the, as far as bringing the talent in, absolutely. I mean, you got to have something there for the people to come watch, but the little things do matter. Oh, they certainly do. I remember Joey Moss got to know him um, on a casual basis. He was very close to the team. Uh also close to the football team in Edmonton, but started with and, and, and spent all of his years with the orders. He was part of the team. The only thing he didn't do was wear skates. That's how important he was to the organization. And he used to stand behind the orders bench, um, right by the passageway from the bench back into the dressing room. And he'd sing the, the national anthem and you could hear him. You could hear him in the building. We were up in the press box, way up in the top of the building, and you could hear him. You could look over and see him. And hear him, and everyone loved it. Uh, and that, that was just another part of part of uh, hockey uh, in the NHL, uh, in uh, Rexall Place and all the other places, and the different names that that building from time to time. And, and, and then he did it in uh, Rogers Place as well. He, he was... He was uh, he was a character, and everyone loved him. Yeah, he was one of the best. 
he was he was <laughs> he made being an Oiler fan a lot of fun. He sure did. Well, I really appreciate you making some time for me today and and, and cutting out. Uh, I've kept you a little bit longer than I meant to, Mark, but appreciate you sitting down with me and sharing some stories and a little bit about your time with the Edmonton Oilers. Thank you. It was a, it was a pleasure, Sean, and and uh, all the best and stay safe. Thank you. Hey, folks. Thanks for joining us today. If you just stumbled on the show, please click subscribe. Then scroll to the bottom and rate and leave a review. I promise it helps. Remember, every Monday and Wednesday, we will have a new guest sitting down to share their story. The Sean Newman Podcast is available for free on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, and wherever else you get your podcast fix. Until next time. Hey, Keeners. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, Shout out to Nathan Brecker. I hope I say that right, Nathan Brecker. Uh, he was the one who hooked me up with Andrew Elbers, and he just said, love the podcast. Man, it was it was great. So thanks to him for for reaching out. And uh, there was a group of you that did that reached out and suggested Andrew after I did Paul Spolgerich. And just thanks for, for you know, reaching out and thinking of me. Um, means the world when, when listeners get me in touch with people that – you know, I just have no or little connection to. And uh, so I appreciate that. I'm happy you enjoyed it. Um, now, go enjoy the rest of the week. Hopefully it stays like this for a little while longer. If it does, we all know the champ will be out golfing. So, champ, get your feet off the desk. Get in the mud. It's time to go back to work, all right? To the rest of you, have a great week. We'll catch up with you Monday.